This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. What's up? What's up, everybody? Ricky Whitmer here, along with the Sean Anderson. Dub the Mies. Yeah, you see, you I know my it. lines. You got it. I know my lines. Sean filling in for Mark is uh, it's honeymoon week for Mark. Congrats to Mark yeah. and his lovely wife. Congrats to Mark. We both had a great time at the wedding. I great danced. Time. Ricky didn't. I I did I did the Macarena. I danced with the woman. I did the Macarena. You for, did for fifteen you seconds. Did dance and it was very awkward. And, and thankfully I, Brandon saved me because she was weird. I saw through the uh, the patio window. She so was, it was it was quite funny for me and Dave on the other side. She said the words, uh, "You make me feel young," and I was like, "Thank God Brandon showed up." That was awful. <laughs> Sean got a little nervous. It's okay. It's okay. Got further than I got. But we're going to continue our previews that we're doing here for football. This is what we changed it, Sean. We really changed it for you. I know Mark had his wedding and he wasn't going to be here this week, but we really did this for you. We could have done the AFC East last week. And stuck you with the NFC. So then you'd be talking about the Cowboys. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to talk about the the Cowboys. The Cowboys are really terrible. Yeah, the Cowboys don't even want to talk about the Cowboys. But we're looking at the AFC East. We're going to get right into it. If you're new to the onside kick and how we do this, we start with the bottom feeder and we end with the Super Bowl champions in this case. Well, and I just want to clarify this. Yeah, I want to clarify this. All teams that aren't the Patriots are bottom feeders in the AFC East. So, yes. I mean, really, the Dolphins are the only like one how, that I like has, how you said gave AFC us a chance. East. I like how you said AFC East. I thought you were just going to say, all teams in the AFC are bottom feeders. I can stay with that, too. <laughs> all teams in the NFL are bottom feeders. Very I true. you might have said that, too. But we're going to look at the Jets. And I think this one's easy. Like, the starting point for this mm-hmm. is the focal point to any football team. The quarterback. Yeah. Do you go with Josh McCown? Do you go with Bryce Petty? Do you go with Christian Hackenberg? I know that Mark and I, a while back, did... A segment where we talked about Hackenberg specifically, and could this be the year that he really breaks out, or does he show improvement? But mm-hmm. if you are Todd Bowles, who are you leaning towards at this point? McCown, Petty, Hackenberg. At this point, I would say Bryce Petty, just because he did play last year for a little bit, knows the system. You saw a little bit what he was able to do. It was nothing special. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was sitting around what fifty five percent completion percentage. Yeah, threw a ton of picks. wasn't really that that special, but at least he you know what you're getting out of him. Um, and then I would go back to Hackenberg after because uh, you know Josh McCown is the safe bet. I mean, Josh McCown's going to be your safe mm-hmm. bet out of these three to be your starter, but he's not going. You know what he's going to bring. I mean, he's been in the league for so long. He's not going to have his super unreal dr- jump. He's not going to be able to have a Ryan Fitzpatrick year uh, of what two years ago. Um, Ryan, yeah. Ryan Fitzpatrick last year and, was the dud after yeah. Brandon Marshall got him that contract. So two years ago, um, he's not going to have a huge spike. So you know, Josh McCown's going to be able to be a, a decent quarterback, but he's not going to be anything great. Uh, Bryce Petty wasn't anything great, but maybe you know. Being in this system to start, maybe that will help. Maybe having a, mm-hmm. a healthy team as well will help Bryce Petty. Uh, so right now I'm leaning towards Bryce Petty, but I wouldn't be surprised if Hackenberg taken, took over him. I think the goal for this season is, like, the ultimate goal for the end is Hackenberg. Without Hackenberg has to play, like, at some point this season, it has to shift over. Whether you start Petty first, whether you start McCown first, and mm-hmm. maybe, like, I know there's some people out there, well, McCown could lose a starting job before we even get to training camp, just because of the pressure that you have on, we drafted Christian Hackenberg, we've had him now, we kind of have to feel like, I feel like the Jets might Mm -hmm. have to start him 
I want to say sooner than they well, want to, but at this point, it's like, come on, shit, or get I mean, off the bot. What else do you have on that team? I mean, you nothing. have Bryce Petty, been in the league for three years, was nothing special last year. He can't stay healthy. You look at Josh McCown; he's been a bottom. I mean, he's been a backup mm-hmm. quarterback for his whole life. He had that one good season in in Chicago, but outside of that, and it was like before then. His last good season was like 2010 or something like that. Um, you you look at Hackenberg; you haven't seen what he's able to do. You select him in the second round. Um, he was a guy that was you know before the season he was drafted. So what, 2015, 2014, mm-hmm. he was praised as a really uh, decent prospect because you saw what he did in Bill O'Brien's system. At Penn State, and then he kind of fell off the map. So I mean, there is some potential there, and you got to see what you're you have in all of your quarterbacks. And you have seen what you got in Bryce Petty. You know what you're getting from Josh McCown. You have to see what you're getting uh, from Christian Hackenberg before you move on and go and draft another quarterback because you don't want to take a chance in the first round at a quarterback if you already have one uh, that is capable. And, and Christian Hackenberg are in, on your roster, so I think Hackenberg is definitely going to be forced into the starting role at mm-hmm. some point in this season. I think probably best to start him at the beginning of the season, but I'm leaning right now that Bryce Petty will end up starting. Uh, but I think Hackenberg, probably it would probably be best for Hackenberg to start the season. If Hackenberg is smart, or if any of these quarterbacks are smart, the guy on the offense that they make their best friend is Matt Forte. And the oh, yeah. reason why I say that is I look at this offense, and I mean, you could kind of say Bilal Powell as well, but mm-hmm. I would say more so Matt Forte because he's the number one at running back. I look at the wide receivers, and I don't, like last year it was like you had Brandon Marshall. He's now on the other. He's in the blue of New York. Yeah. Then they have Eric Decker. They release him, or they tried to trade him and released him the week that Brandon and I were at VidCon in mm-hmm. California. He's in a different blue, and he's in a different blue now. And I look at this team, and I know the Jet fans are going to probably come out and say, "Well, we still got Quincy Inouye. He was our leading receiver last year. Only had." Oh, I want to say four drops on the season. He can be a solid number one for us. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I look at this receiving core and I go, if I am any quarterback on this team, I am scared because the two receivers that I am the most excited about are my new tight ends in Austin Seraphin Jenkins, who kind of got ran out of town in Tampa Bay. Well, he had an alcohol issue. And my rookie. In Jordan Leggett, the guy from Clemson. Well, and also Darius Stewart. I'm interested to see what he can bring mm-hmm. bring to the table. I, I like that selection for them um, in, in this year's draft in the third round. Uh, so I like a Darius Stewart. I like Severian Jenkins. I mean, he's a guy that has a lot of athleticism to him. He's got a big build. He's got a nice package to him. So I think if anyone that I'm relying to out of this young quarterbacks that mm-hmm. uh, I would rely on would probably be Severian Jenkins because he has shown uh, the ability to not only be in the NFL before, but he does have the package. He has the it factor that you want in a tight end. So I think Severian Jenkins has proven before um, for a little bit in Tampa Bay that he was a, a reliable um, kind of go-to guy for for Jameis and, and, and previous guy yeah and previous quarterbacks before so Sferian Jenkins I think that's gonna be the guy that you're gonna rely on um, and then Forte out of the backfield um, and then I think you know Anunwas is gonna be a guy that's not gonna be able to be a Pro Bowler I don't think he's gonna be anything super special but I don't think he's a bad receiver at all I think mm-hmm. he's gonna be at least uh, a capable number one until you go out and get a number one and even after that I think Anunwa is a decent two a decent three um, and then I look at Darius Stewart it's gonna be interesting to see what he can do um, I, I really liked him uh, coming out of college. And I think that, you know, I don't know if he's going to make a huge impact right away, um, but he might have some uh, ability there. And also Robbie Anderson, a decent season and uh, Marquise Wilson, former Bear. Um, I'm interested to see what he can do because he was never able to stay healthy, but he does have a lot of tools on it. So this is a very unproven Jets team, I would say, outside of the running back core, because you look at Forte, obviously Forte and Bly Powell. 
Um, those two guys have obviously been in the league before. Mm-hmm. Uh, Powell had a nice season last year, went healthy. Uh, Forte's been great before. Um, you look at the quarterbacks, obviously most of them are unproven outside of Josh McCown, but you know what you're getting from Josh McCown. Uh, Leggett, like you mentioned, uh, is, is going to have to make himself uh, kind of out, uh, available and out there. Uh, Anunwa's got to prove that he's a one. Robbie Anderson's got to prove that he can be a decent uh, wide receiver out there. Uh, Marquise Wilson's got to prove that he can stay healthy. And then obviously Darius Stewart's got to prove that he's something out there. So I think it's a, it's a very unproven uh, unproven team as a whole. I mean, at least offense-wise. Well, and I look at it, and to me, the reason why you might be sitting there and going, guys, you haven't even touched the defense. Because here's the only thing I want to say about the defense before we get back to the offense is, the defense is the most solid part of this team, and to me, they just got even better with their first-round draft pick mm-hmm. of Jamal Adams. And just to make the point of why the offense is so important for the Jets in 2017, last year, the Jet defense gave up an average of 25.6 points per game. I'll live with that. I will live with about three touchdowns if I have to. But it's, it's more than three touchdowns. But it's that's three, t- three touchdowns that's in like a field three goal. Three touchdowns in a field goal. Yeah. But if I'm sitting around that that's 20, if I'm sitting that 21 25 area, I'll deal with it mm-hmm. because I'll expect my offense to put up points as well. But when your offense last year only averages 17.2 points per game, you couldn't move the ball. And, at that, all. Well, and that's it. You can't move the ball. There were games last year where you're losing, you're only scoring three points in a game. You cannot let that happen mm-hmm. if you want to win football well, games. And the one thing too, you got to look at this offensive line. I mean, it's it's nothing special. This mm-hmm. offensive line. I mean, especially losing Nick Nick Mangold. I know he's been banged up, but I mean, that was the guy that and you, that was the you, guy they cut him. I believe at the they cut him because he's been super injured. Yeah. Um, he hasn't been healthy at all. I mean, and Mangold's kind of you know lost his production as well. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's a guy that you always look to to be the guy that kind of held down that Jets offensive line. And you know, outside of that, I mean, Kelvin Beecham's been a guy that's bounced around. James Car- Carpenter's been a guy that's bounced around. But outside of that, there's no names that you like. Oh yeah, I, I recognize this guy, or you know, I know what this guy can really bring to the table. I know mm-hmm. this guy's going to be able to you know block the blind side or be able to stop uh, you know open up lanes up, up the middle. I mean, this is a very unproven offense in every single facet outside of the running back uh, position and then outside of account at quarterback. So really, this is going to be a, a, a huge learning curve, curve for this offense, and I wouldn't expect anything out of this team because, yes, the defense is good. I mean, you have a ton of players on there. Leonard Williams, uh, high draft pick, and, mm-hmm. and has been you know uh, highly touted before. Mohamed Wilkerson, Sheldon Richardson. I know um, Wilkerson is pretty much getting run out of out of town, mm-hmm. but he's still on the team. And he's uh, always in trade talks, too. Yeah. Trade talks or cut talks. Uh, Darren Lee is fantastic. I mean, I, I, you know, I didn't think he had a fantastic rookie season last mm-hmm. year, but he looked at someone like you see the offensive. Uh, I mean, you see the athletic abilities there, um, and and you see what you know uh, Ohio State was able to bring out with Ryan Shazier, um, and I see a lot of that in Darren Lee. Uh, Demario Davis is a, a capable linebacker. Uh, Morris Claiborne, they picked him up. He looks decent, um, and has been decent throughout his career. Hasn't been anyone who's going to you know be a shutdown corner, but he's not terrible. Uh, Buster Screen's pretty bad. Uh, Jamal Adams, though, obviously we love him. Uh, Shamarco Thompson's decent, and then you know, you look at this defense. There's some holes there, but it's something that you know we'll be able to get by. Well, um, and, and and it's the offense that you know, they really got to prove themselves. And the thing that I kind of sit here and I go, Ugh, I'm kind of a little nervous about is the schedule and who they're going to be playing because, mm-hmm. like I said, the defense is. If I'm putting my money on either the offense or the defense for this team. I am putting my money on the defense performing better. Duh, Ricky, that's such a hot take. But I look at this schedule, and 
it's not that easy of a schedule. You're playing. You get to play the well, you play high, Patriots twice, obviously. Yeah, that's I mean, the second highest the, scoring offense last year. The Dolphins too. You play the highest scoring offense last year in the Super Bowl runner-up, Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, it's at home, but you still mm-hmm. get to play the Falcons. You play the third. Or I'm sorry, New England was third. The second was New Orleans. You play them on the road. You're playing Arrowhead. You're playing at Tampa Bay, which Tampa Bay could be an improved team this year. Jacksonville, are they going to be the team? This year that, I mean, last year we kind of hyped them a little you bit. You hyped them. I did. I thought they were, like, on paper, they are the best football team on paper, but they just can't get it they, together. On, you want to clear that up. The Jacksonville Jaguars are not the Fine. best team the most, on paper. The most promised, like, they are the one that, me, that when I look at young talent on paper, I go, they man, have the most potential. they should be That's able to put this together and at least make the playoffs. And maybe get eight wins. Yeah. Okay, Jacksonville is, Jacksonville is nowhere. Super Bowl. Not saying a super. The way you're talking said they were the best team on paper. Like I look at the team and I kind of like them on paper. But but I understand what you're saying. But I'm just saying some people might take that as you're thinking they're the best team on paper, which is not what you're saying. They're not the best team. That would be the Patriots. Sorry, Sean, I had to throw it out. Well, not even the Patriots. The that Patriots. Wasn't even, I, there's a lot of teams that are better on the paper. Jaguars than the Jaguars don't have Tom Jets. Brady on the on the roster. Houston so might be the best team on paper <laughs> in the AFC South, let alone mm-hmm. the Jaguars. But I, the point is, I look at this schedule. Miami's tough. New England's obviously tough. Buffalo to me is kind of a coin toss because I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, the Jets beat them twice last year, but Rex Ryan was at the helm last year. You get a Saints team with Adrian Peterson. Denver might be a little bit better this year with their Simeon entering his second year as the but, starter of that team. And, and then also Denver's defense. Denver's defense as well. Jameis Winston and that team could mm-hmm. look better this year. The Falcons are obviously a good team. Oakland, you get them on the road week two. I mean, I just don't see a scenario where this Jets team walks into the schedule with the offense and quarterback situation that they have. And I don't see them pulling out more than three or four wins on this on the schedule. I was going to say four wins is probably the max that this team can get. It's not like the Jets are you know they have nobody on this team that mm-hmm. are that are NFL players. I mean, there's obviously capable players both on this defense and offense, but it's just there's not enough there to put anything that's going to be you know off the wall. And unless Hackenberg is something fantastic, um, I, I, I'm really looking the at second this coming team. of Brett Favre. Yeah, I'm really looking at this team to to draft a quarterback next year, and whether that's you know uh, the guy out of UC uh, USC. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, Josh whether Rosen, it's Allen, whether it's Rosen, whether yeah. it's Darnold, which, whichever one, I feel like they have to go with one because they're going to be a top five pick, probably a top three. Pick. Well, yeah, if they're getting three or four wins, yeah. they're definitely gonna they're be up probably the going to be a top five pick for sure mm-hmm. next year. And you kind of took my question of next year, will we see a quarterback be drafted and will Hackenberg kind of be pushed out of town after one year? Well, with really kind of half the job. I think it depends on... I don't think he'll be pushed out of town. I think he'll just be pushed mm-hmm. to the backup role. And it also depends on what he does. If he you know performs and succeeds, then they might not look at quarterback as a need. So then they won't go with it. So it really depends on his performance and his, his chance. I think that Hackenberg does have the potential, but then again, there's not a lot around him. And how much can he show that potential, and how much is he really going to be able to grow? So At I think the end Hackenberg of the year, might be what a, do you think it's going to be? I think he'll be drafting quarterback. Okay. I think he'll be drafting quarterback. So you don't think Hackenberg's going to have um, that potential, that I, big no. year? I don't think I don't think that with what is around him, mm-hmm. uh, both from the uh, offensive coaching staff and then the offense around him, I don't think that he will succeed. I think that if, when, if, he, if and when he does succeed, I think that will be on a different team than the, the New York Jets. No, I completely agree, and I think that 
The thing, like I said, I feel most sorry for Christian Hackenberg is he is going to come on to a team when he does start. Could be week one, could be week seven, could be at the end week 13. We don't know. But whenever he does start, he's going to walk into an offense where it's like, I have nothing to work around me. What do you want me to do? He might also get lit up. I mean, mm-hmm. this this offensive line isn't that great, like I mentioned before. So this team, I mean, Hackenberg can get banged up and start like two games. I well, mean, it, it, it's it's going to depend. And then you also have Petty and McCown mm-hmm. who are both, you know, broken bones waiting to happen. Well, and this is where I'm going to turn the conversation on to you guys. Jets fans, let us know down below in the comment section. What do you see from your team? Who do you want to see at quarterback? Tell us about Christian Hackenberg. Everything about the Jets, let us know down below in the comment section. But, Sean, we're going to move on into the next team, and that is the Buffalo Bills, because what? No one circles the wagons like. What? The Buffalo Bills. That's what I was looking for, I thought nobody misses field goals like the Buffalo Bills. Yes, no one misses wide right quite like the Buffalo Bills. But the thing I want to start with Buffalo is they got a new sheriff in town, a new guy running the ship. After Rex Ryan was fired, Sean McDermott, the new head coach Buffalo of the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo isn't a new sheriff? Yeah, new sheriff. What happened to Johnson? What happened to Johnson? He's gone. It's He's a bummer. gone. <laughs> uh, Sean McDermott, I mean, obviously he's a capable guy. I mean, you look at what he did defensively, uh, Carolina. I mean, not only bringing in the right players, but also with the the 3-4 scheme that they had over there. And I think it was very, uh, you know, I mean, obviously it, it helps having a guy like Luke Keekley out there. Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, Thomas Davis and all the great players that he had. But, I mean, you look at what he was able to do from 2011-2016 as the Carolina Panthers defensive coordinator, building really a, a, a dynamite team or a dynamite defense that was able to really succeed, obviously go to the Super Bowl before. Um, I think that this is going to be a guy that, you know, not only is he super young, I think that he's going to be a guy that, you know, has worked under great uh, great uh, coaches before. Um, obviously, uh, Ron Rivera, big fan of him, mm-hmm. former Bears defensive coordinator, and also, uh, you know, did a decent job in Ed Carolina. Also, he worked under Andy Reid. So I think this is going to be a guy that, you know, has a lot of promise. And I think that, you know, looking at Sean McDermott, it's going to be as long as he can be, you know, bring that defensive mindset back to Buffalo. I think Buffalo isn't going to be in, in the shitters because you look at Buffalo. I mean, obviously they have capable players on offense, but you also look at this defense. There's players with a ton of talent on this team, and as long as you can bring out that talent, I think that Buffalo can be a, a team that can get back to eight wins, nine wins, maybe even ten wins and sneak into a wild card. Well, and I mean, this year mixed with last year, because you got to think last year was the draft where they went heavy on defense, and they had the big the big like draftees of um, Adolphus Washington from Ohio State, mm-hmm. Shaq Lawson, he was coming off of an injury out of that championship game, that championship loss for him yep. against Alabama with Clemson. Then Reggie Raglan, who came over via draft from the Alabama Crimson Tide. This year, they go ahead and continue that kind of defense drafting by taking um, Tredavious White, a guy that we thought was going to come out last year, who mm-hmm. ended up staying for LSU, and that's why he was this year's draft. So I look at it, and they've got some guys that are a year older, a year better, not dealing with the injuries maybe that they had to deal with coming out of college a year ago. And more importantly, this offense, this is a very different team than we talked about with the Jets because they have a quarterback. And to me, their biggest question is wide receiver because it's can Sammy Watkins stay healthy? Well, yeah, it, it's can Sammy Watkins stay healthy, but even like wide receiver, I mm-hmm. think it's like a decent group of guys that you have there. Obviously, um, they brought in Rod Streeter. I don't know exactly how, how much he can help uh, coming mm-hmm. from o- Oakland, but he's shown some promises, some games where he's been decent. But the real guy that they brought in from Oakland that I'm really excited for is Andre Holmes. This is a guy that really looked fantastic and had spurts. And, and you know, if Sammy Watkins goes down, I think that Andre Holmes could be a guy that really surprises people because you look at Buffalo and they've mm-hmm. had the ability to find good wide receivers before. 
before. Um, they've been able to find guys like uh, you know Kevin Hogan. They've been able to find uh, a ton of wide receivers that have been really good, not only on the Bills but then also other places. So I think that you know the, the you know going out and getting Andre Holmes is a really nice choice, and also Zay Jones, uh, their draft pick. I think that this guy, you know, with his athletic ability, with his shiftiness, with his quickness, I think that Zay Jones could be a really nice addition. You add that to the deep threat of Sammy Watkins, this might be a really nice three pair that they got going from wide receiver, and then as long as Charles Clay can stay healthy, that's a nice four. Uh, you know, four guys that can you know be wide receivers and, and receiving threats for this team, and obviously we know the the dangerous Lashawn McCoy there. I mean, mm-hmm. this was a team last year that did you know underachieve. I mean, yeah. you look at Rex Ryan in his second year, you thought this team was going to be able to take a step up. Um, you look at the previous years they they had. I mean, there was you know some great defenses in in this Buffalo. Um, in, in Buffalo, and and really, Sean McDermott needs to bring that back because this offense is capable. But I think the defense needs to be the focal point of this team because there's a ton of players, like you mentioned, not only that they drafted, but they're still already here on this Buffalo defense mm-hmm. that can make an impact. So I wouldn't say Buffalo is you know in the shitters uh, has has you know no um, hope because as long as Sean McDermott is able to pull it together, and maybe it was just a culture change that needed to happen. Mm-hmm. Pulling these players together, I think that they can put out a very decent NFL team out on the field. Well, and the thing that I think of with McDermott compared to Rex Ryan is what we thought with Rex Ryan was defensive-minded head coach, defense is going to be the strength of this team, Mm -hmm. and it wasn't. I mean, I look at last year's results just in games. You look at all their wins, 33-18 against the Cardinals, 16-0 against New England, you have 30 and 19 against LA the Rams, 45 to 16 against the Niners, 16-12 Bengals, 28-21 Jacksonville, Cleveland 33 to 13. What did you notice about most of those teams? And the one that you don't notice this with didn't have Tom Brady. They're terrible. Offenses. They're terrible. Well, they were terrible teams last year. Yeah. The Cardinals weren't good. The Rams were awful. The Niners were the second overall pick in the draft. The Cleveland Browns were the number one pick in the draft. We talked about Jacksonville a little bit with the Jets, how they underperform each year. And then the Bengals weren't too much better last year. I look at the other games, though, and more importantly, a stretch down the road. Miami, they lose by three, 28 to 25. But then your offense puts up 25 points. You let up 41 and 33. I know it's New England with Tom Brady mm-hmm. and the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle, but then it's like 38-24 against the Oakland Raiders, 30-10. Um, to 10. You let the Jets score 30 points on you. That team that we said finished thir- third from the bottom in points per game mm-hmm. put up 30 points on you. This defense needed a new a new identity. They needed a new guy at the top to lead them. And hopefully Sean McDermott can be that guy because, I mean, with Rex Ryan coming in, it was the big name. So it's like, yeah. boom, Rex is going to turn this around. Sean McDermott doesn't have that big name ability, so I feel like he won't have as much pressure as Rex did. Well, and this is a team, too, that had a positive point differential. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a team that was outscoring their opponents at least throughout the whole mm-hmm. season. So, And there was there was times where this Buffalo team just didn't look focused on the field, and maybe Sean McDermott will be able to bring focus to this team and bring uh, a sense of urgency back to this team because it just seemed like they lost that with Rex Ryan there. So, I mean, as long as he's able to... You know, bring everyone on the same page, get everyone cohesively working together. I think this Bills team can be decent because, again, you see the positive point differential last year. You also see that the 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 the, the talent on this team is better than the actual results last mm-hmm. year. So ultimately, I think that 
Buffalo can be successful. I think that really relies heavily on Sean McDermott. And it doesn't have to be like he has to you know overhaul schemes. Doesn't have to you know make sure everyone fits the right way because at least the fits seem you know fairly. Um, you know, fairly decent for for everyone, for every player on this team. It's just really about getting them working together because it seemed like Rex Ryan and that whole team got away from doing that last year. Well, and one of the big guys that I'm going to bring up now because you kind of feel like how everybody fits, and me and Mark kind of talked about this in a past um, onside kick coming into this season, or it might have been at the very end of this season, is Tyrod Taylor went ahead and. His contract right now is, so this year he's got 9.7 mil. Mm-hmm. Then it jumps up to 18 million for the next season, so 2018. But then he's got club options. So this Bills team can be like, after this season, next season, they could be like, if he's not good, get rid of him. Yeah. If they keep him one more, get rid of him. Keep him one more, then get rid of him until it's over. I want to ask you a similar question that Mark and I answered. Is Tyrod Taylor, do you see this? Could this be the season where we start to see, is he the quarterback of the future for the Bills? I don't know. Sean McDermott as the head coach. I mean, I don't know if he's the quarterback of the future. I mean, he's 27 years old. I mean, it's tough to say. Mm -hmm. You know, this guy who... Uh, I mean, he, he he's I mean he's had two full seasons now in, in the NFL. He hasn't had you know a, a crazy you know ridiculous year uh, you know crazy ridiculous uh, career so far. But he also hasn't been bad. I mean, a 62 uh, career completion percentage. It's not like he's like you know underperforming that much. He's got a positive touchdown to interception ratio. He does have the ability to move, but I don't know how much he can actually take this team further. And yes, I mean, there's obviously been the obvious of Sammy Watkins being injured. Not a lot of weapons around him until Sean McCoy. But even then, with Sean McCoy. They weren't running enough, and they weren't really establishing this offense like they could have. So, I mean, ultimately, I think it really depends on how Tyrod Taylor and and the weapons around him affected. Mm-hmm. I don't really think the blame of the past two years has been on Tyrod Taylor or or anything like that. But I also don't see Tyrod Taylor as a future quarterback. So it's something where I think Tyrod Taylor is a middle of the back quarterback, um, and I don't think we're going to see a huge jump from him. So you're it. just happy to have him on your team. I think you're better be a, off than some other teams. Yeah, exactly. I think he could be a guy that can take your team to the playoffs, mm-hmm. but I don't think he's going to be a guy that can take your team to the Super Bowl. And that's that's all I think of with, with Tyrod Taylor. And I if think he wins a, the Super Bowl, it'll be like when Trent Dilfer did. No, it was not all that because bad. of the defense. No, I think Tyrod Taylor's way better than Trent Dilfer. I'll take Tyrod Taylor over Trent Dilfer. Mm-hmm. Trent Dilfer was a bum. He didn't even play the next year after winning a Super Bowl. He True. was a complete bum. That was a ridiculous defense. Well, I'm just making the point that okay, it's going to be Trent something Dilfer, else. That, Trent Dilfer was a complete outlier. It's going to be something else that catapults like uh, Tyrod. I almost said Trent Dilfer again. Tyrod can bring you to the playoffs. He's going to need something else to boost that if you want to get to he's, Super Bowl. He's level. not a he's not a franchise changing quarterback. Mm-hmm. He's he's a good quarterback. He's not a franchise changer, um, and I don't see that at all in him. I think he's a good quarterback though, and I don't think he's going to be anything that you know Bills fans should be expecting a Super Bowl with Tyrod Taylor at the helm. But I also don't think they should be expecting a bum out there. Well, and that's why to me the biggest the weakest link in this entire I'm going to say offense. I'm not going to say team because the defense has its own. Um, things to worry about, but my weakest link with this offense is Sammy Watkins. And the Mm -hmm. reason why I say that, it has nothing to do with, you know, he's a bum, he's this, he's that. I say he's the weakest link because I feel like if he goes down, this team will suffer greatly because what I feel like will happen is the questions start popping in my head. First off, Zay Jones is a rookie. Is he going to be able to boost up into that number one spot. If you say no, keep him at number two, 
You put Andre Holmes, who you talked about earlier mm-hmm. at number one. The thing I worry about with Holmes is, and this is why I feel like Watkins and Jones have to be almost as stellar as Crabtree and Cooper were, because with Andre Holmes, it's easier to kind of not be forgotten, but it's easier to get better looks when the defense has to go, well, we, we got to cover the, we got to make sure that Cooper and Crabtree are accounted for. Well, I think that Andre Holmes is a, is a number two receiver. I mm-hmm. just think that he's never had the chance because of Crabtree and, and Cooper. I don't think they're bringing him in to be, you know, this 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 set, the third guy behind Zay Jones. I think Zay Jones is going to be more of the slot receiver where Andre Holmes and Sammy Watkins are the guys, guys on the outside. I think Andre Holmes is a very capable wide receiver. And I think, obviously, you know, the biggest question mark is Sammy Watkins' health, at mm-hmm. least on this offense. But it's also, can this team come together? Because there's some decent players on this offense, but you look at this this offensive line and outside of Richie Incognito, I mean, none of these guys are jumping off the page as crazy, uh, crazy great linemen. I mean, Richie Incognito, since coming back or since coming over from the Miami Dolphins and his whole fiasco, he's been really good, and he, that's why he deserved the contract extension mm-hmm. he, he got. But I mean, you have a, a rookie on there, Deion Dawkins, um, John Miller's nothing special, Glenn Cor- uh, Cordy Glenn's not anything special. So really, ultimately, I think that as long as Tyra Taylor can get the protection. Sean McCoy can find the holes, and Sammy Watkins can stay healthy. Um, I think that this you know offense has a lot of potential because again, like I said, Andre Holmes could be a nice number two. CJ Jones is a guy that's freakishly athletic, and I think it can be a really nice addition to this team and nice pairing to Sammy Watkins and Andre Holmes. Um, and as long as Charles Clay can stay healthy as well, he's a really decent tight end. So I think this offense isn't anything bad. I think that goes more of the thing where mm-hmm. you you talked about with the Jets, where the defense needs to carry a bit of the load more than this offense. I think this offense will be able to put up over you know 21 points per game. But as long as this defense can be one that you know holds opponents to 20, 20 uh, 19, Actually, something like that. It's like the thing I look at is show up against the big guns, against the playoff teams. And the ones like we saw where I know, like, I'm going to say Seattle and New England, you're going to be like, Mm -hmm. Ricky, well, they're like stellar playoff teams. They're not like just bottom of the barrel. But like Seattle, New England, Oakland, Pittsburgh, we saw those games. I'll Mm -hmm. throw the Jets in there. They weren't even a playoff team, 30 to 10. I'm still kind of stuck on that 30 to 10 score. Because that that team wasn't playing together. Mm -hmm. You can't look too much at last season. Plus that was week 17 and Rex, we already knew Rex was fired. You can't look too much at last season Mm -hmm. anymore because that was a completely different team, not from personnel-wise, but because of the coaching staff. It was because it was a different mentality. It was a different locker room. It was a completely different feel for that team. I think you got to completely wipe the the page clean. You can't think too much about last season for the Buffalo Bills because you look at the talent they have. Uh, Marcel Darius, uh, Shaq Lawson, uh, Jerry Hughes. You have Reggie Ragland. Mm-hmm. Lorenzo Alexander had a fantastic year last year. Ronald Darby's a decent cornerback. Uh, uh, Obviously, we're expecting big things out of Tredavious White. Um, you look at Micah Hyde, too. I mean, Micah Hyde was fantastic last mm-hmm. year for Green Bay. So I think that this team has a ton of potential defensively. And as long as they can play together as a cohesive unit and Sammy Watkins can stay healthy and, and, and you know, Tara Taylor can make their nice reads, I think that this team could be something that, you know, can be an 8-win team, a 19 win, and beat some decent teams. But I don't think they're going to be, uh, you know, maybe even upset the Patriots once mm-hmm. or twice. or you know, maybe Not twice. Maybe they can upset the Patriots once. Once, and maybe and, they can beat a, a higher ranked well, team or a, a, a better team in that upper echelon just because this defense is that good. And I was going to bring this up. There are two stretches on the schedule that I look at. Mm-hmm. And the first one is from week two to week eight. Week six, they have the buy in there. So that's a total of, what, six games? Mm-hmm. Out of those six, only one is against a team that I think is very winnable, and that is the Cincinnati Bengals. Besides that, Carolina should be improved, plus 
You know there's going to be— I think be, it'd be Carolina. Like, they could beat Carolina, but I think Carolina will be improved. Also, there's going to be a little bit of emotion in that one because Sean McDermott coming back home for kind of the revenge game. Mm-hmm. That's a winnable game, but I'm right now leaning on the side of Carolina because I'm expecting them to do a little bit better. Denver, Den- I'll probably give that to Denver. Atlanta, no way Buffalo beats Atlanta. Tampa Bay should be improved. Oakland's going to be really good this season. And then the last stretch is 12 to the end of the year because you've got KC, New England, Indy if Andrew Luck is healthy at that point, then Miami, New England, New England. Here's the good part of that, though. Hmm. If you can get this team playing together by the end of the year, you play all of Miami and New England in December. Yeah, You play all four of those games in December. So if you can get click and get on a roll, maybe you can steal one or two well, of those games. I think that it, this team could probably start off 3-0. Mm-hmm. And then I think they can go into their bye 4-1, really, if, if they're clicking right away. Because, again, I Only think— Only loss being at Atlanta. Yeah, I think you're overrating Carolina. They're not playing Denver a mile high, which is a benefit to them. Mm-hmm. Um, New York's a bum. Uh, you look at Cincinnati. I mean, they're nothing special as well. I mean, maybe they can you know put together eight wins, but again, that's mostly mm-hmm. beating up on the Browns. Um, and then they go in their bye week four and one, and then you know Tampa and Oakland are, are tough teams. But then you have New York again and uh, New Orleans, which are both beatable teams, especially Los Angeles. So really, I think the the tough stretch for them is going to be twelve to seventeen because you know that's when guys are going to be tired. That's when guys mm-hmm. are going to be banged up. That's when you're going to have you know uh, ten games under your belt, or eleven games under your belt, and then you have to go to Arrowhead, you have to go to Miami and New England, you close out your season at New England and Miami. I think that's going to be the toughest stretch mm-hmm. because. I think Mentally, really, I think I think tough. I think guys are going to be able to buy in right mm-hmm. away to Sean McDermott's thing because they saw that Rex didn't work. They have no choice but to accept. I think it's more of hey, if we lose to a New Orleans, if we lose to New York, then maybe they might not buy into it. Maybe then they'll be you know have a huge injury. Maybe Sammy Watkins won't even be playing by then. Mm-hmm. I think that's when the the tough stretch is going to come in. It was when you know week seven, week twelve runs around and they have to go to Arrowhead and then they have to go play New England and then they have to go play. Uh, Indianapolis, and they have to go play Miami and then close out at New England, at Miami, I think that's going to be difficult for them. Well, and the thing that's going to be most crucial about their schedule, too, is that when we get to that Week 12, starting Week 12 all the way to 17, Mm -hmm. where's Buffalo in the playoff race? If they're in the heat of things, that might add a little bit of shot in the arm where it's like, okay, we're in these games, we got to win to make the playoffs. Or if they have a bad start because they haven't been able to to click right away, would a bad start kind of be like, well, we're out of the playoff race, and then we just see them kind of just stumble through that 12-17 to 17 because it's kind of like, well, what are we playing for? They're not going to fire Sean McDermott after one be, year. I don't think they're going to be out of it by then. I mean, it's something where I think this team could be, again, 500 going mm-hmm. into week 10 or something like that. I don't think this team is going to be you know, out of the playoff race by that point. I think it's just going to be more that injuries might hurt this team to an extent where week 12 to 17, they might lose all of those games because this Mm -hmm. team is that banged up or this team, you know, might not be fully firing and, you know, they have to go play uh, a Kansas City was a playoff team, uh, a New England that's a playoff team, Indianapolis, if they have a defense, then that's a tough game. And if they have have Andrew Luck. Well, yeah, if you have to play Andrew Luck and that team has Mm -hmm. a defense, then good luck. Because, I mean, Andrew Luck is a guy that, you know, I think there's some crazy stat. He's like 28-1 or something. When the defense holds opponents to 19 or less points. Yeah, he's like undefeated or something like that. I mean, as as long as he has a defense 
Andrew Luck's terrifying. Mm-hmm. Then you have to play Miami, New England, and Miami again, and those are three playoff te- or you know two playoff teams right there. You're playing them three straight times, so it's just something where you know this team might face a Sammy Watkins injury. Lashawn McCoy has never been the most ha- healthiest back mm-hmm. in the world, so he might go down. I mean, this team might get banged up. I think that's one thing that they might not reach eight wins, nine wins, ten wins because of injuries. That's the only reason why I see that team, you know, unperforming. Because I think they can hang with some teams. I think they can beat Miami once. I think they might be able to shock New England once. I think they possibly could give Kansas City hell. I think they can go up and 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 take one from Tampa Bay or Oakland in that stretch. I don't think they're going to be able to beat Atlanta at Atlanta, but I still think that they might be able to give them a shot or something like that. I mean, I still think that this Buffalo team, with the talent they have, with a completely fresh start, I think that Buffalo can be an interesting team. Yeah, and to me, it's going to be where are they going to be if they're five hundred? Is this going to be the year where they sit at five hundred and they're third in the division, or are they a team that hey, you know what, we're going to try to challenge Miami to be maybe the second best team, depending on how Miami does, because we got to get into them and, we'll talk to them and how they're going to do this season. But before we get into them, I want to flip the conversation to uh, the Bills Mafia out there. Let us know what you guys think down below. But don't go flipping cars or setting things on fire. we got to keep the MVP studios nice and clean. But let us know. What do you think about Tyrod Taylor, Sammy Watkins' health, this team in first year, head coach Sean McDermott, what they are going to do? Let us know down below in the comment section. And let's move on into the Miami Dolphins now. Sean, I almost called you Mark. First time I've done that tonight. And we're going to move on into the Miami Dolphins. I think this one's easy. This is a team looking at what they did, making the playoffs. Mm -hmm. First year with their new head coach last year coming over via the Chicago Bears. And we've got Ryan Tannehill last year, 67% completion. That is like, to me astronomical. Like, I usually say, oh, I sit around 60 and I'm happy. You're almost close to 70%. I will take that. Almost threw for 3,000 yards last year, 19 touchdowns, and 12 interceptions. But that's the only blemish on that sheet. You had an 1,000-yard rusher in Jay Ajayi. He had eight touchdowns as well. And then Jarvis Landry, over 1,000 yards as well. And Devonta Parker had 744 this question is going to be simple to start this one off. Mm-hmm. Can this team replicate what they did last year and still be a playoff team in 2017? Replicate what they did, win 10 games and get in the playoffs? I think they can mm-hmm. definitely do that. I think, I think, honestly, if they don't replicate it, that's going to be a disappointment because they should be able to because you look at Ryan Tannehill, he's still young. This is his best year that he's ever had. That's under Adam Gase, and he did get injured as well. Um, could have been even a better year if he was able to you know, play Pittsburgh, and maybe they beat Pittsburgh in the playoff game. You also look at Jay. Jay was fantastic. Breakout season for him. He should only get better from there. Mm-hmm. You look at uh, Jarvis Landry. He was fantastic. He's still young. Uh, you know, bringing in uh, help. Maybe Devontae Parker could finally take a step up because they drafted him. Uh, Kenny Stills hasn't been anything special, but he hasn't been super healthy as well. So, And also, I think the biggest thing, too, is they bring in Julius Thomas. So, I mean, they, they added to this team. This team got better. I think that Miami not only should be able to win 10 games, maybe they'll be able to win a playoff game if mm-hmm. Ryan Tannehill's healthy. I think that this team is, like, uh, I think this team can really make some noise in the AFC, uh, Not let alone the AFC East. I don't think they're going to win the AFC East because the Patriots are still there, but I think they could be the second-best team in the AFC because you look at all of the potential they had, they weren't able to put t- together that potential until, you know, week six against uh, Pittsburgh, and then they went on that run, mm-hmm. that fantastic run where they lost two games. Yeah. And obviously they got blown out by the New England in the last week, but, you know, still looking at this, I think this team could be really something special. And, and as long as they're 
on the same page. They get off to a hot start. They're not, you know, slagging behind, you know, you know, going to overtime against Cleveland, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. This team can be a playoff team again and possibly make some noise in the playoffs. I also like this, what they did in the offseason defensively, because mm-hmm. you bring in the biggest free agent signing for them, I think. Well, I'll, I'll leave you guys to tell me which is bigger, but they're both pretty big. First, you got Nate Allen mm-hmm. coming over the uh, safety, coming over from Oakland. He's going to start for this team, probably play um, free safety. Then you also bring in Lawrence Timmons, who's probably going to be coming over from Pittsburgh. He's going to be your middle linebacker now. And I look at this this linebacking crew. Kiko Alonso, yeah, I kind of have a question there because can you stay healthy? Mm-hmm. Can you be? We've known you to get injured in your career, whether it's with Philly, whether it was with Buffalo. Usually injuries have followed Kiko Alonso wherever he goes. But if he could stay healthy, you have Kiko Alonso on one side. You have Raekwon McMillan, the guy you drafted from Ohio State on the other, mm-hmm. and Lawrence Timmons in the middle. As long you as have, he can stay healthy, too. You have he's just, an old man. You have just strengthened. Yeah, he's in his 10th, I believe this will be his 11th season mm-hmm. in the NFL. You just strengthened your linebacking core. Now, I know that the big loss for them is Jelani Jenkins is no longer there. They kind of just traded Jenkins for Allen, because Allen came from Oakland. He signed with them. Jelani Jenkins is now into Oakland, being mm-hmm. with them, so he kind of traded that. And then you get Anthony Fasano just to fill that hole of, yeah, we lost Deion Sims at the tight end, and we needed someone to I, come in. I think the guy to fill him is Julius Thomas. The, that's the guy who's going to really fill it. But <laughs> that's, I mean, the, that's the starting. I, I mean, on the guy the, who's actually replacing I mean, Deion on Sims. the roster, we lost the tight end. We needed to bring someone in. Yeah, and so they brought Fasano. in Julius Thomas. And they also traded, a backup. They also traded for Julius the Thomas. What the hell are you talking about? Hey, I want to give Anthony Fasano What? He's too. a bum. He's not a He's bum. He's from Notre Dame. He's a bum. He's All he does is block. Bum. All he does is block. But you did bring up the other point. They do bring in Julius Thomas to be on the team. That's a big move, not Anthony. <laughs> fucking Fasano. <laughs> Jesus. No, looking at this team, though, I, I think that, you know, you're bringing veteran leadership mm-hmm. with Lawrence Timmons, a guy that's been in the playoffs before, help bolster that team as long as he can stay healthy and at least be able to bring something to this team. I think that that was a great signing for them. You also look at that front line. I mean, that front, that front, that, I mean, you look at just Wake and Sue alone. I mean, those guys are just dangerous by themselves. You mm-hmm. don't really need anyone else playing around them. It's helpful that there is. But still, I mean, you look at those two, those guys are going to cause havoc. And then you look behind them, obviously, like you mentioned, I think there's a decent linebacking crew. Um, I, I have a little bit of questions, though, about when it comes to the secondary. Because, yes, you brought in Nate Allen. So he just had one of his best uh, years, had most interceptions. But that was a team in Oakland that made a, forced a lot of turnovers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rashad Jones isn't bad. I mean, he, I think he was banged up for a little bit. Um, but Rashad Jones is a, is a good safety, and I think that's that's probably your strongest suit there. And Byron Maxwell wasn't terrible after coming over from, from the Eagles, had a, a bit of resurgence, but was that a flash in the pan, or will he be able to keep that up? And then also, Xavier Howard, I don't know how well he's going to do. So, um, and this is going to be a second year now, so maybe he will be able to st- take a step up, grow, and learn. Uh, but I think the weakest part about this defense is that secondary. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, I think this team can be very successful because we saw the success they had last year. Um, they have a very balanced offense, and they have a good offense at that, a very good and balanced offense. And you look at that defense, this is a team that really doesn't have huge weaknesses. Uh, I don't know how well those corners are going to hold up, but outside of that, you still will be able to put a ton of pressure on the quarterbacks with Sue and Wake, and you look at Nate Allen, he's going to be a guy that shouldn't be able to ball hawk. So I think that ultimately, I think this team is very balanced. They're very uh, you know set in stone. It's really just 
can Ryan Tannehill stay healthy and can Ryan Tannehill be consistent? Because he did find that consistency late in the season, or at least after week five. Mm-hmm. But will it take him to week five again to find that consistency? Or was that just really a feeling out process between him and Gase? Well, and that's the big guy is Adam Gase comes over from the Bears. And I'll be honest, when it was when it came down to the decision then where it was like, well, do we fire John Fox and give Gase the job or do we let him walk? I was even then saying you're idiots for not firing John Fox and keeping the guy who it's it's funny because the Bears oh I know this isn't the Bears segment but it relates to Gase where mm-hmm. you brought in Trustman in your future to be the quarterback whisperer this guy's the quarterback whisperer but really the quarterback whisperer has been Adam Gase what yeah. he's done in Denver what he's been able to work with with even making Jay Cutler a little bit better than he was pre-Adam Gase. And now with Tannehill, in his first year with Tannehill, makes him almost a 3,000-yard passer and almost a 70% completion thrower in just one year with him. So I think that Miami fans should be excited for this season because you're going to get now another year with Tannehill working with Gase. To me, the biggest question on the offense is, Jay Ajayi, Mm -hmm. is he going to be the one to replicate his performance? Because, I mean, Jarvis Landry, yeah, he'll be able to, like— He's a speedy guy. That speed's not going away. The yards for all the receivers, I don't worry about because of the guy who they have throwing it. If if Tannehill keeps up what he did last year, the receivers will get their yards. However, will Jay Ajayi still be able to be the guy he was last year and be in a thousand—not just in a thousand-yard rusher— but a 1,200-yard well, rusher. I don't worry too much about Jay himself. I worry too much about this offensive line because, mm-hmm. again, he didn't really turn around until that offensive line was healthy. True. So as long as that offensive line can stay healthy, you know, asking a Pouncey to stay healthy is just mm-hmm. kind of uh, absurd because you know him, both Mike and Marquise yeah. are always hurt. Um, and then you look at Jermont Bushrod. He was, I mean, I mean, he's been a guy that's been back and forth. He had a really nice season with the Saints, and then once the Bears signed him, he was trash. Um, Juwan James is good. Larry Tunsil. I mean, we, we expect this guy to be mm-hmm. a, a fantastic addition to this team, even better than you know one of the best linemen uh, out, of, out of that year's class. Um, I think that as long as those guys can stay healthy, then JHI will be able to you know duplicate that performance. I don't. I'm not really too worried about Jay himself because as long as those holes are opening up because that offensive line's healthy, I think Jay can really succeed. And he wasn't a guy that was con- super consistent. I mean, he had a huge bunch of games. I mean, he had what two 200 yard rushing games. I mean, mm-hmm. he had some insane some games. Good, some good fantasy but, performances. And yeah, he was on my team. I, I, I remember <laughs> pretty well. Um, but ultimately, I think that Jay can be a guy that really. Um, succeeds as long as that offensive line succeeds. And I think as long as those guys are healthy, and as long as this whole team's healthy, Mm -hmm. this can be a playoff team that can make noise. Well, and one thing we've done for each and every team that I look at now is the schedule. And, I mean, each one of these teams are going to have the same thing. They're all playing the AFC West, so you're playing at Arrowhead, you're playing Denver at home, you've got Oakland at home, and then you have the Chargers on the road. But some of the differences between schedules— that I see is, yeah, you've got to play your own division. you got to play the AFC West, and I think it's the NFC South. South is their NFC division. But, like, where the Bills had the Bengals on the road, you get the Ravens on the road, and it's a Thursday night game. Whereas the Bills got the Colts on the road, you get the Titans at home. Mm-hmm. And it's some of those changes to where I feel like on top of the – 
two the tough games from the NFC South and the AFC West. They're also course, playing Indy. Of course, their division. Yeah, they get the Titans instead. Mm-hmm. Um, will those changes, those slight changes of Tennessee, who I'm a little bit higher on than Indianapolis, it's mainly because of the defense and Andrew Luck's health, but also I'm a lot higher this year on the Ravens than I would be on the Browns and the Bengals, who we've seen in the past two schedules with the Jets and the um, Buffalo Bills. But also this is a team that's better than the Bills. Mm -hmm. So I'm not too worried when it comes to playing Baltimore. Um, Yes, it's at Baltimore, but I'm not too worried because Joe Flacco, a guy under pressure, I mean, Joe Flacco's a bum. Um, Especially when you put him under pressure, it's not like he's going to be that great. Um, And as long as Joe Flacco's a guy that likes to go deep, um, he's a good, he's a great deep ball thrower. But then again, when you're getting pressured and you're going deep, then you might be able to force turnovers. You might be able to uh, pick some passes off, which Mm -hmm. I think plays very well into the secondary suit. So I think that that Baltimore game isn't too much of a worry. Um, Tennessee, that's early in the season. Mariota might still be figuring out stuff about his leg. And then also under pressure, how well will he be able to move after the leg injury he suffered? So, I think honestly, this this schedule plays off very nice for him. I mean, Tampa is not going to be a fun start, but Tampa's not a, a Tampa's also a winnable game, especially at home. There's only one stretch that could be a death stretch, and it's probably the end of the season. Yeah, it's week twelve about. to the end. Yeah, and I mean, even then, you get you get a couple breaks. I mean, I think that you have to play New England mm-hmm. in in uh, on the twelve uh, in week twelve and fourteen, which is going to be tough. Mm-hmm. But then again, you have Buffalo twice. And Buffalo, well, I think you can win both games. And that's there. the thing. Is Buffalo going to be able to compete with Miami? And if they're playing, like we mentioned with the Bills one, if they're playing more together, I think those could be tough. Like Just like we said for the Bills, yeah, the Miami games are going to be tough. Those Bills games should be tough for Miami as well. And that's I if feel, they're healthy. Well, and the thing I also feel like is you play New England on Monday night, and you got to play at New England. Then you have to come back to Miami for a full week, and then you have to go. Or you're in Miami. Then you fly all the way out to Buffalo. Buffalo, and you're already on a shortened week because you played on Monday, and you immediately got to go to Tuesday. But then after the second time you play Buffalo, yeah, you get them at home. But the game before, you're playing an Arrowhead, which on, is a on Christmas Eve. On Christmas Eve, which is a completely different atmosphere, and it's a different kind of game to play in because of the decibel level that that stadium can get to, to where if you lose that game, I know that coaches have often said to both of us that, hey, you know what, sometimes the momentum doesn't carry over from game to game, but I look at that one where that could be one where a loss in that environment and KC might be able to carry over and Buffalo might be able to jump on you. But the one thing I don't worry about with this Miami team is that if they mm-hmm. lose a game, I don't think they're going to get too down on themselves because they've been in that situation before. And I think it's just one thing that this Miami team, I feel like they're playing as a team. I think that Gase has set up a very nice culture there. I think that ultimately, like, if they are able to lose a game, they will be able to brush it off. And, and I don't think it will hurt them too much. I think I see this team as a 9-11 to 11 win team. I think that, you know, they're going to struggle against New England. I think they might be able to beat New England in some some scenarios. But I don't think, you know, I, I think that, you know, they might win one, but I don't think they're going to win both. Um, ultimately, I think that they're going to win 11 games this this mm-hmm. season. I don't think it's going to be something that um, is going to knock them out of the playoffs. Um, I think that this team can definitely sneak in as a wild card team. I think this team could be uh, really something special. And like I said, I think that they can, if they are the wild card team, I think they could take down uh, an AFC South, an AFC North team because those teams are pretty weak. I mean, mm-hmm. I, know, I know Pittsburgh has Roethlisberger, Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, et cetera, et cetera. 
But you saw this, you know, that Pittsburgh team. And I mean, I wasn't too high on that Pittsburgh team in general. So I think mm-hmm. that ultimately, I think that Miami can make noise. And I think that the only way that they wouldn't be able to do that would be if they run into a New England. So I think I think ultimately this is a, a ten to eleven one team. Well, and a good thing, and I know last year it was because hey, you know what? They ran into that stretch where they just went on a roll after week six. But in the first five weeks, they never lost more than two games. They lost week one, week two, one week three. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know it was the Browns, but then they lost week four, week five, and that was the most games they ever lost in a row, unless you want to count week seventeen into. But then they also didn't have Brian Tannehill. One. They so didn't have matter. Tannehill for that either. But anything anything you think we missed on the Miami Dolphins before we move into the Super Bowl champions whose jersey you've been wearing the entire time. Yeah, none time. of these teams are winning the AFC East, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, and here the trash talk comes, but this is where I'm going to turn the It's not trash talk when we've guys. won since 2009. Is it, is it not It's trash a division talk, that we've won since 2009. The last time a team hasn't won it was the Miami Dolphins in 2008. So Sean, that was nine years ago. So Sean's pulling the it's not true if, uh, or it's not trash talk if I'm backing it up kind of a thing. No, it's just, it's not trash it's talk. It's just because, the truth. No, it's just like, it, it's, it's like... You know, someone having a money discussion uh-huh. with Warren Buffett, and they have like three dollars. <laughs> it's like, yeah, guess who has more money? It's Warren Buffett. And why are you even arguing? There's no argument. Okay, this is where you guys come in, though. I'm going to turn on to you. It's Let pathetic. us know That's what, it would be. what you guys think down below about the Miami Dolphins. And I even throw it out there because I didn't let him answer it. Is there a chance Miami wins the division this year? Let us no. know down below in the comment section. But, Sean, now it is finally time. You've been wearing the jersey like a good boy all podcast. I mean, it's comfy. I mean, that's the one that I I told him you should, you should have busted out. That Like, I'm concerned. Like, not concerned. I'm confused. Why? Because I like how slick that jersey is, like mm-hmm. the material of the Nike jersey. But I just love the red. Like, it's throwback. the new jersey, and also the red one's really stained. I, I love sometimes. I love the red throwback jersey. I so like it too, why, but I like the blue better. Well, and that's why you the blue's bought, a classic. You bought that one just so you I can did, have the I classic Tom Brady jersey. But mm-hmm. this is a team where we're going to get right into it. This Patriot team, and yeah, they had some guys leave. Martellus Bennett's now at the Packers. Legarrette Blunt's no longer in town. Michael Floyd is with my Minnesota Vikings Oh, now. yeah, we're going to miss Michael Floyd. Chris Long is gone. But really, to me, I look at the guys they brought in, and one of the guys who I didn't even think they were going to get, I thought he might have been going to Chicago or something, but Stephen Gilmore gets on this team, oh. and he like that was a shocker that he signed with the Patriots as the Patriots were able to bring him in the biggest to shock, this team. The biggest shocker is Brandon Cooks and not trading Malcolm Butler. Well, I mean... That's the biggest shocker. I'm getting, I'm getting to that. I'm talking about free agents. All you right. get Gilmore, but then you trade for, like you said, Brandon Cooks. You get to keep the guy who everyone was like, well, if you get Cooks, you're going to have to give this guy up. Mm-hmm. And really, the big question for this team is... How many are games the, are they going to win? What are the chances they repeat this year? Ninety-five uh, percent. Because that's really what we're talking about with the Patriots. I mean, it's it's tough to say that this team will not be a top three team in the mm-hmm. NFL. I mean, it, what year have they not been a top three team in the NFL or a top five team in the NFL? I mean, you have to go so far back that they weren't a top five team in the NFL, let alone the AFC East. I mean, the last time they didn't make the playoffs was two thousand eight, and that was with Tom Brady, was Matt injured. Castle. Yeah. 
They were still uh, ten and, and six. They were still ten and six. I mean, this team has been good for so long that it's getting annoying for mm-hmm. an other NFL fans. It's not getting annoying for me. <laughs> but again, you look at what this team was able to do in the offseason. Again, like you mentioned, uh, bring in Stephon Gilmore, keep Malcolm Butler, which is I, again I can't keep stressing how like big that was. I love the Coney Ealing uh, Ely signing. Uh, you also talk about um, uh, Brandon Cooks as well. I think the biggest one that will go on talked about too is the Mike Gillisley signing, mm-hmm. bringing him over from Buffalo. I think that guy is going to make a ton of noise as the back uh, who's going to be replacing uh, LeGarrette Blunt um, mm-hmm. in that actual traditional runner role. And I think that Mike Gillisley is going to be big as well. And also Rex Burkhart, I think there's going to be a nice a nice signing. He's going to be a guy that's going to be, uh, you know, um, he's going to be a guy that's more you know, special teams, but he's also going to be able to make some noise there. And also be brought in Dwayne Allen. I mean, there's so many nice moves on this team that it's so hard to say that this team will not do, uh, you know, great things. And I think that they have a very good chance to repeat again, and I think that if I had to pick a team to win the Super Bowl, I'm picking the, the Patriots, and that's with and without biases. Well, and I mean, everything that we talked about before, like with the Patriots, we don't have to go into discussions like we did for the other teams, because to me, there are no real questions about this team. I compare, I like, I compare the Patriots when we talk like playoffs, like them making mm-hmm. the playoffs is like what you and I would talk about on the fast break last season about no. the Warriors and the Cavs getting to the final. It's not even like that because that's only been happening for three years. Literally, I can say that this is the, the, what mm-hmm. the Patriots have been able to do. Is oh, I have it is, right. Is what, what I have nine, it right here. No, Since 2002 was the last season, except for that 2008, that they, yeah, they, that they finished second. And they finished mm-hmm. second in the division. Every Everyone else, except for that year Brady got injured, They've been first in the division and have had double-digit wins. Let me put it this way. Since uh, pretty much what they've been doing Mm -hmm. is what a nine-year-old's been doing. It's like waking up for a (laughs) nine-year-old. They've been winning the division since 2009. Mm -hmm. And that's what, you know, kids have been doing since, you know, whatever. If a kid was born in 2009, that's what he's been doing every single day is waking up. It's just waking up for the Patriots. You could really say they wake up with six wins in the division. Let's be honest. You could say they've really been winning the division since 2001 because well, this, I can't say that because they didn't win it yeah I know but I take two years two years of second place and I go what like whatever I'll give you I'll give you those odds of mm-hmm. if you're gonna go from 2001 to 2016 and only finish second twice I will take those like yeah. if you told me Ricky the Vikings are gonna win the division for about 15 years straight but two of those years, you'll finish second. I'll be like, I'll take it. And I don't have to give up anything. Do I have to give up anything yeah. for this? I mean, this team with their, I'll put mm-hmm. it this way, their team with their uh, either starting quarterback or backup, just mm-hmm. their, their their number two, they were, what, uh, I, I can't do math in my head. So they were 14-1 and one with their starting quarterback mm-hmm. or their second backup. The only game that they lost... With you know Jacoby Brissett was that sixteen nothing uh, yeah. loss against Buffalo, and then they obviously had that tough game against mm-hmm. Seattle. But really, I mean, this team is the best team in the NFL, and it's just really you know you can't really say that the best team in the NFL is going to win the Super Bowl every single year. But I think the Patriots clearly have the best odds now, to win the Super Bowl this year. The thing I will say is, and this is the thing where I wonder what'll happen with the Patriots because it's not a fact of will they lose because I believe that on this schedule. I see about maybe two games, two games that I see them losing, and that is 
the Chiefs to begin the year nope. and the Falcons. Like those are the only teams no. that I see. Maybe the Raiders. Maybe the Raiders can be a team because it's in Oakland. It'll be the last time that the Patriots come to the college. Houston and Oakland. But I, th- I think I Houston see, or Oakland. See, I teams. think the Patriots will beat Oakland, no problem. Or beat Houston, no. no problem. I mean, with a healthy J.J. Watt and Jadavion Clowney, especially what they were able to do, the Houston Texans in the playoffs and give Tom Brady trouble with that defense, I think Houston can beat them. Yeah, but I, I think that the Patriot defense, with what they've added, could give, I'm assuming, yeah, no, which but, is going to be Deshaun Watson. But, it, but it's something habit. where it, it, Tom Brady might have a terrible game, mm-hmm. might turn the ball over twice, and that's enough to beat the Patriots. I mean, honestly, I mean, you look at. And, and as long as they're able to run clock down, which they were able to do in that playoff game, mm-hmm. you can keep Tom Brady off the field. And but, if you force him to make turnover or you force him to create turnovers, then you can beat the Patriots. I think Houston mm-hmm. has all of the tools to put it towards beating the the Patriots. Not saying they're going to, but I think they have the tools to do that. Well, and that's why the one thing that Where I, I look know at you were, City and I don't see that. I know you were talking about the other team with uh, running the ball and keeping the ball out of Tom Brady's yeah. hands. But going off of a guy that you said could be big this year, just for the role he plays is um, Rex uh, Burkhead, because the reason being is who did they lose this offseason? LeGarrette Blunt. I think that, to me, is going to be a hole that they have to fill. Or not literally a hole. I'm going to say it's a role that they're going to have to fill because LeGarrette Blunt was able to come on the field when, when called upon and give the Patriots yardage and give them kind of relief when Deion Lewis needed or if James the, White wasn't getting it done. The, the guy to, the guy that's going to replace that hole is Mike Gillisley. I mean, Mike Gillisley, what he was able to do backing up LaShawn McCoy last year in Buffalo was was pretty pretty fantastic. He was a guy that was used in goal line areas, goal line situations, because mm-hmm. he's a guy that can you know be a little more physical and be that guy that was. And he's also a guy that's very shifty as well. Mike Gillisley is, is, is more of a pure runner and more of a, a pure running back than Rex Burkhart. Rex Burkhart is more of your Swiss Army knife, a guy that you expect to be in New England, the guy that's going to be able to do special yeah. teams, uh, but also you know be, can a, be a receiver, be a, guy that can be can be a running. Yeah, game. I think I think he's going to be the fourth. Um, mm-hmm. or, honestly, he might even be the fifth. It I'll also be depends. honest. I'm looking at the depth chart. They they might have to cut some backs because they've got Deion Lewis, uh, the Burkhead, Bolden. Foster, Daniels Jr., White, Gillisley, and Bolden. They got uh, seven running backs. Foster and Daniels will probably be practice squad. Mm-hmm. Um, Bolden, then cut Bolden. Uh, Bolden. They might cut Bolden. I don't and know. Then just they might keep, keep Bolden. Keep they might keep four. five. They might keep five running backs on there. Um, because Burkhart is a guy that can play special teams, mm-hmm. and I, I think if anyone's going to be cut, it's going to be Bolden because they just brought in Burkhead. Yeah. They just brought in Gillisley. James White was fantastic, and Deion Lewis went healthy. He's a great back. So I think there's if they're going to keep four four backs on the the roster, it's going to be Lewis, White, Gillisley, and Burkhead. And also the one thing we did not mention is the beginning of the season they're probably going to be getting Rob Gronkowski back which will be huge and also you know how I mentioned they lose Martellus Bennett Mm -hmm. guess who they get to back him up now Dwayne Dwayne Allen Allen, which was a starting tight end with the Colts well and I think that Dwayne Allen fits more of that backup role because Martellus Bennett has the ego and not saying that Martellus was bad yeah he um, got his ring Got his yeah. ring and he left. And I really like Martellus Bennett. I think I think that he's a, he's a good tight end. But mm-hmm. again, he has that ego where Dwayne Allen, you don't really see that. Um, plus, he's still going to get his share. He's still going to be able to be worked into this offense. So really, I mean, you look at the weapons they have on offense. Lewis, White, Gillisley. Um, I think those three are going to be the guys that are going to make the most noise offensively because James White's going to be your, your shotgun uh, running back and he's going to be able to run the ball and, mm-hmm. and get carries on the outside. Deion Lewis is going to be your change of pace back or also your receiving back. And Gillisley's going to be your guy that's you know, going to fill that... It, 
you know, LeGarrette Blunt hole that was left. Um, and those three running backs, I think, are, are fantastic. Some guy named Rob Gronkowski, as long as he's healthy, is probably the biggest, the, the greatest offensive weapon that I've seen in my life. Because I'm not trying to pump up Gronk here, but I mean, we have not seen a guy that's 6'7", 6'6" with the speed, ability, and power that he has, and the hands he has. I mean, mm-hmm. I've never seen a, a crazier offensive weapon in my lifetime, probably outside of him and Randy Moss. I mean, because, you know, I, I mean, I wasn't there for T.O.'s great years. Um, and I think I think Gronkowski is a specimen that we really haven't seen before. Um, this this offensive line, as long as it's secure, um, and we saw Marcus Cannon be fantastic once they brought back Skarn. Um, so I think that as long as this offensive line can work together and be secure, I think that this is going to be a team that can make a lot of noise because Brandon Cooks, we saw what he was able to do with Drew Brees. And now um, he gets Tom Brady. Now he gets Tom Brady, which, I mean, I, Drew Brees is better throwing the deep ball than Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom Brady isn't too accurate, but, but if, if let, there's any knock on Tom Brady, is that not accurate with uh, deep ball was? Let's be honest. What I think what they might do, and you could probably tell me I'm totally wrong, which might be what you do, but I kind of look at this kind of roster and I say okay Hogan's on one side do you put do you put Cooks on the outside and Edelman in the the slot or do you switch and flip and put Cooks on the slot sometimes and kind of interchange Edelman and Cooks where you mix the only way that Cooks will be on the inside is if Malcolm Mitchell in and they Mm -hmm. go four wide Um, and Hogan and Mitchell will be on the outside and then Edelman and Cooks will be on the inside but yeah no Uh, Julian Edelman's been uh, Brady's inside guy, no matter what, he's he's the number one guy, but he's always going to be your slot receiver. And I wonder because of the, the style that he plays and the way that he's able to make catches over the middle. Where Brandon Cooks, he's mm-hmm. a great receiver, but he doesn't have that toughness that I see in a Julian Edelman. I don't see a lot of guys with the toughness of Julian Edelman and in the NFL. And that's going to be the thing I wonder is: Are we going to see more plays like we saw? I know it's a microcosm in itself, but are we going to see more plays this season like we saw from Hogan in the playoffs, where it's like, well. We, we, we had him covered, and we got him covered, but fuck, we forgot about that guy. Shit. We, we, had, Rob, we had Rob covered. We had Cooks covered. We had Edelman covered. Who, who had Hogan? Who, who, nobody? I mean, you look at the, the, the weapons, though. I mean, there's so many of those guys that you can have. And you got to cover you, all of them. Cooks, Edelman, mm-hmm. Malcolm Mitchell, is, it was fantastic last year, and he grew uh, immensely. Danny Amendola is still on the damn team. Chris yep. Hogan's still on the team. Uh, like you said, Gorkowski, Allen. I mean, there's... Eight capable guys on this team to catch balls. And you have one of the greatest quarterbacks ever, mm-hmm. the greatest quarterback ever, throwing the ball. I mean, it, this offense is going to be unstoppable. I mean, th- I don't see a way, unless Tom Brady gets injured, that this team isn't going to be the best offense in the NFL. Maybe not statistically, mm-hmm. but when you when you see this team, you're going to be like, oh, shit, how is this team going to be stopped in the playoffs offensively? I, I don't see a way. And really, obviously, the only way that people have been able to stop them is pressure. But as long as this offensive line has been able to do something or is able to do something, this this, this is going to be the best offense we've seen. Well, and I mean, to go off of a point that you mentioned earlier, I know you said, oh, since 2009, they've won the division. I'll take it one step further. Since 2011, this team has either been in the AFC Championship game or the Super Bowl. I know that. And have won the Super Bowl twice. Like that's, I know that. That's just the... Then, I had to say that because I feel like at this point in the preview, well, I mean, some it's been, people they've won two in the past three years. Yeah, and I feel like some people might be at this point in the preview saying, "Well, Sean's just blowing smoke up their ass because he's a Patriot fan or a Tom Brady fan." And they can you, say that I'm you guys are just blowing right. smoke up their butt, but like this team is good, and this team is like oh, shit. I am probably going to put them in the. AFC Championship game again this year in my predictions, but it, it kind of makes me think of the question of 
like Denver, when they topped them, Denver mm-hmm. was a good team. Well, they were a team Bal- that could blitz. Yeah, Baltimore. That was a game where they got kind of lucky that year. The game, the one where the Ravens beat them, and then the Ravens played the 49ers. I don't think they got year. lucky. I think Baltimore was a good enough team, and you look at that defense, they were able to put, I, put it to them. That was a game I thought the Patriots should have won, could have won. The Patriots should have beat Denver, too. I mean, they lo- they've lost to Denver twice in the AFC Championship game since 2011. Yeah. They should have been and, able to beat no neck. Peyton Manning back then. No, not Peyton Manning. But that's the. I think that's a bigger crime. But if they didn't have an answer for Von Miller, I really look at this league and I go, who? Just AFC. Who can top this team in the playoffs? I think that's the true question. When you get to, just, we'll do AFC first. If they um, go to the AFC title game, if they meet this team, they will lose. They will lose. Yes. No like team. if they meet no team. Okay, how there's about not this? A, there's not a for if sure they team. Meet this team they could lose. How about um, we change it to that? Oakland, Do Texans. You think Oakland can beat them in the playoffs. Oakland, Houston, could is the question. Okay. Not will. Because um, you don't think there's any team that can beat them uh, in the AFC. No. Um, Oakland, Houston. Not even Kansas City because Kansas City doesn't play offense. Um, yeah, Oakland and Houston. That's it. I'm gonna say there's only no. There's I'm, I'm gonna say Houston. I'm gonna say maybe Oakland just because I like Oakland. No, I, I, I really think that like they can because you year. look at you look at Cleo Mack and his mm-hmm. ability to create pressure. If he's able to do that, and you're gonna you be able to beat Tom Brady. Derek and they Carr also, can do on the offensive well, side. And then also you look at Oakland. Oakland they bring pressure mm-hmm. and they force turnovers. Yeah. that's that's what you need to do to beat Tom Brady defensively. So as long as they're able to do that, I don't know if it's a for sure, but they could beat him. I mean, Houston was able to create pressure last year. They weren't able to beat him. But they could have beat them. So I think I think Oakland's definitely one team that I look at um, that can make noise. And then obviously Houston um, getting J.J. Wapak and Jadavion Clowney, um, I think they could beat them. But other than that, I don't really see a team that can really beat them. And the thing about the Chiefs Looking at that I will the say, start of the season, at least. like the one way I could see the Mm-mm. Chiefs getting the better end of the Patriots is if that game is at Kansas City. Nope. If it's at Kansas City, I will give KC a puncher's chance in that game. If if they meet up in the AFC Championship game, and it is the Patriots at Arrowhead, mm-hmm. and the Patriots lose, I will shave my head. There's no way it happens. Andy Reid cannot be the Patriots if it, in it, the playoffs. Wait, if it, does, if, if it goes the other way and they meet and they lose, do I have to do anything? No. Oh, okay, cool. So yeah, if the I'll pa- take you up on that. I'm not worried. Okay. Andy Reid cannot <laughs> beat the, pa- the Patriots. Alex Smith is not a capable enough mm-hmm. quarterback to beat the Patriots. Um, and you might be saying, well, Houston doesn't have a capable quarterback as well. I mean, Deshaun Watson's nothing special. Tom Savage is something special. But the, defense, defense. the defense would beat them. Kansas City doesn't have that. I think that Casey's that defense, defense isn't on the same level as like a what Denver's was when they beat him in the championship game. But I think Casey's defense is pretty solid. Then why didn't they, they, beat, play the, then why didn't they beat the Steelers? Oh yeah, that's right. Because they, they gave up six. Because they gave up six field goals and couldn't score on the offensive end. Yeah, well, it was they the can't move the ball. Fault. The they, de- the defense only gave up. I will. They get, still gave up eighteen points, Ricky. I hey. They but, gave they they gave up points on every single drive, pretty much. Hey, I will settle for giving up field goals and touchdowns. Could you imagine if they were touchdowns? How much they would have lost? Still lost. I know, but that's because the offense couldn't do anything. It wasn't you, but, the defense. But do you fault. think that Tom Brady would settle for six field goals? No, no Tom Brady would get in the They'd end be able zone. to put it in the end zone. Yeah. I mean, so you get you give course, you also, give a you give a lesser offense in Pittsburgh that many chances and, you're not beating New England and you no matter think, what your offense does and this is going to hurt my argument but you got to think Casey does not have 
Jeremy Macklin anymore. He is now in Baltimore. Jeremy Macklin doesn't matter. Alex Smith can't throw a damn ball. It's still an offensive weapon for him to throw the ball to that's not there. How about if they go to the Super Bowl? Then besides the Giants, because obviously um, the Giants can beat him. Shut up. <laughs> uh, Rodgers. Not Green Bay, just Rodgers. <laughs> just um, Aaron Rodgers. I think the Falcons proved that they could hang with the Patriots. Um, I think that not, they wouldn't blow another twenty-five to three lead. Well, they don't have Shanahan there to get or, complacent. Yeah, I don't think they. Uh, I don't think they'd blow another twenty-eight to yeah. three lead. Um, Seattle has proven that they could beat the Patriots. Um, I don't know if they would, but they could beat them. Um, and uh, I'll give Dallas some love. I was going to ask if Dallas goes to the Super Bowl because that's a big question. Dallas, I would I would put Dallas on the, the lowest out of all the teams I've mm-hmm. named. Um, I would put Dallas um, above Houston, uh, but below everybody else. Could Dak Prescott outplay Tom Brady in a Super Bowl? What do you mean by outplay? Like, Throw less interceptions? Yeah. We're, he, it, we're looking at and going like, wow, he is the best quarterback in this game. Like, this game, this game, not like the football, like football as a whole. I mean, like, just a single singularity game of, like, he is the best well, quarterback in this Super Bowl game. I don't know. I mean, yeah, Dak Prescott can throw less interceptions than mm-hmm. Tom Brady. But that's just because, is that because the Cowboys defense is doing that much? Or, like, yeah, you get, it's, could Dak Prescott have a better <laughs> game than Tom Brady, if that's what you're asking? Yes. Because there's been guys that are of lesser mm-hmm. value, like you know, fucking Chad Pennington or JP Lossman, mm-hmm. that have had better games than Tom Brady. I mean, it's, <laughs> you can have a better game than Tom Brady. It's not possible, and like it's it's definitely possible. Eli's done it twice. True, Eli it, equal Manning. Let's call him by his rightful name here on the onside. Kick. His equal rightful, Manning. His rightful name is it is equal. He is, e- he is equal with uh, is it Peyton equal? Manning. It's, it's equal Eli. Manning. Eli yeah, equal Manning because he's got just as many rings as. Uh, Peyton does. This is a really bad joke. His he's name's Eli. He's got two. It's two. It's it's me. It's a me and Mark thing. It's, yeah, I'm on Mark. Mark, you got you got to help me with I'm this. I'm on Mark. This is a stupid joke. Mark, yeah, help me. But any last thoughts on the Patriots before we wrap up this podcast? On the Patriots, yeah, they yeah. won the Super Bowl. There you go. There you go. Sean saying they're going to win. Can the Super I Bowl. can I be serious real quick? Yeah. The the final the final thing that I want to say is the the biggest worry that I have out of this whole team mm-hmm. um, is. Um, first off, the um, linebacking core. Dante Hightower is great, but he cannot stay healthy. And then outside of that, um, I'm not sold on Landon Roberts. Um, I'm not sold on Kyle Van Noy. Um, David Harris, I know they brought him in from the Jets, but uh, again, I don't know what exactly he can do. Because so you're saying the defense is going to be the weak link? Mm, no. I, okay. well, the, the defense is going to be the weak link, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you're, you have Tom Brady on one side. <laughs> when is the, the Patriots defense ever been the strong suit of this team? <laughs> Jesus Christ, Ricky. <laughs> I mean, the defense, of course, is going to be the weak link of this team. I think just the, the linebacking core specifically mm-hmm. um, gives me a little bit of, of qualms, if you want to say. A little worries. Um, a little worries, but uh, I don't think it's going to be something that's going to be too bad because, again, they did step up in the the, the second half of the Super Bowl because mm-hmm. they definitely didn't do it in the first half. Uh, and then also um, Steven Gatkowski because I know that he's been a fantastic kicker before, uh, but last year had a really rough season. Didn't hit uh, from ninety percent of his field goals. Also missed three extra points. That's something that's very out of character. Um, and he also missed one in the Super Bowl as well. So he needs to bounce back. Um, but that's really the only worries that I have are the linebacking core, the offensive line, and the kicker. Well, and this is where Which you guys come in. Matt, turn it on to you guys. Let us know down below. What do you guys think about the Patriots? This is probably going to be the hardest preview that we've done for all the teams, just because. This team is probably going to A, make the playoffs, B, make the AFC championship game, and probably C, could make the Super Bowl again. Like, this team 
is that good, and it's kind of hard to find those nitpicky spots when you're talking about a team as good as the Patriots are. But I want to thank you, Sean, Thanks for, for coming me. on to the onside kick, filling in for newly married Mark Weber. Congrats to Mark. Congrats again to Mark. He is out on his honeymoon on some island shirtless. That's Saint, the last picture. Sink kit. Yeah, that's the last picture I saw from Mark shirtless, and I told Sean that's the first time I've seen Mark shirtless, and I don't know how I feel yet about it. But I want to thank Sean for being on the podcast. Mark will be back next week, a new man, a changed man. But thank you guys for watching and listening, and as always, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.